great sound of kids breaking in and wrapping and unwrapping lots of presents. You hear the, the giggles, you hear the anticipating think of the ATM machine saying, you don't have any more money left. Isn't that a horrible sound when you go, you go, doot, doot, you can have your card back, sir. No, that's not a good sound to have. And then there's a sound of bells. Go to Stater Brothers and you hear the Salvation Army person ringing the bell, bing, 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 all day long as you come out. And, and then for others of you, and I don't know where you're at, it's going to be the sound of silence. It's not going to be a good sound. There's going to be an empty spot, an empty stocking, an empty place underneath the tree, around the tree, because maybe somebody that you loved is gone. Between last Christmas and this Christmas, the sound is silence. Maybe a relationship that you had is no longer there. Maybe you, got a, maybe you broke up. Maybe someone left. And so sometimes there's a painful solitude of Christmas. You know, we have lots of sounds of Christmas and I don't know where you're at, but, but this morning my goal is I want to ratchet up your joy just a notch or two. I want us to leave here just excited about the sounds of Christmas that we, we get to control. And that's our voice. That's what we get to say. That's what we get to do. And um, I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to just tell a simple little story. It's going to be about a squirrel. And, and because it's going to lead to this question I have to ask you. So one day a pastor was calling all the children forward for the um, children. They used to do children's sermons where all the kids would come forward and the pastor would say something better than the actual sermon that the pastor would preach. And so he wanted to teach a lesson on preparation from squirrels. And so he gathered all the kids up front and um, he said, okay, I'm going to teach you guys a lesson. I want you to think, what animal, what animal is, is furry, has a long tail, Sometimes it chirps, it, it collects acorns and, and, and gathers acorns. And what, what kind of animal does that? And, and what does it? And so if any of you kids know the answer to this question, please tell me. And so none of the kids raised their hands and he kept going and he kept going. He's going, okay, it's gray. It, it jumps from branch to branch and none of the kids raise their hands. And, and, and when it gets excited, it's tail hands. And finally, one little boy raised his hands and he goes, well, he goes, Pastor, um, it sounds like a squirrel, but I know the answer should be Jesus, because that's what they do in Sunday school. Every answer is Jesus. So I'm going to ask you a question, okay? And I want us to get over the easy answer. What does Elizabeth, Zachariah, Mary, Simeon, Anna, the shepherds, magi, and angels, what do they all have in common? What's the Sunday school answer? Jesus, squirrel. Okay. You know, I'm going to do a come to Jesus thing at the end of this, and that person can, can come to Jesus. Okay, uh, it, it, so yeah, you know, that's the, the obvious answer is Jesus. Obviously, Jesus is what they have, and it is true. They all have that in common, but there's something else. As I was studying and, and, and thinking about and reflecting upon this message, something else that they have in common. You know, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they're, they're an old married couple. They've been married for a long time. They've, she's been without child it's been a struggle, and he's a priest, the righteous, they're faithful, they're, they, they have given up hope. Mary was a young single gal, young virgin. She was pledged to be married, but at that point she was still single. The angels are way up there, and the shepherds are way out there. Simeon and Anna, you know, they were devout. The magi who were Gentiles. Something in common that they all have, besides the fact that they um, know Jesus. They were, well, they all, when they encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, they gave praise. 
Every single one of them. It doesn't matter whether they were old or whether they were young, whether they were from out there or whether or not they were Jewish or Gentile, they gave praise. So this morning, this message is for you. If, if you're old, this message is for you. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't look at Bob. No, I didn't really, honestly. Um, it, in, you know, and I, okay. um, if you're young, this message is for you. If you are Jewish in your heritage, this message is for you. If you're Gentile in your heritage, this message is for you. Because the birth of Jesus tells us that it's just not for the righteous and the pious. It is for everybody. And so as we walk through this story, and I am going to run through the passages, as we walk through these passages and and run through them, just reminding us of these oh-so-familiar things, and I think Trevon hit on it when when he started to sing these songs, he goes, sometimes we just sing these hymns, these Christmas carols, and they, we've sang them for so many years that, that they kind of lose the depth in their meanings. Well, this morning, I want you to see one thing, that, and that is they always praise the Lord. Turn with me to your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles, it's a New Testament, second book in the New Testament, and it's Luke chapter 1. You're going to want to turn to Luke chapter 1, and then chapter 2, and then put your fingers there and go into Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 2 as well. If you've got a smart device, it becomes really easy. So Luke chapter 1. Luke starts off the gospel of Luke with the thing that says, hey, hey Thaddeus, I'm going to write a story, and the story is going to be really ultimately about the the how the church started, and I'm going to begin at the beginning. And so I'm going to begin with how Jesus came into land. And so he writes this introduction for the first four verses, and then he begins the story. Herod, of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So they followed the law, they were righteous, and they observed the law. In other words, whenever there was a call to worship, they were there. Whenever there was something to do with the church, they were there. But Elizabeth, in that culture, this was a horrible thing, but Elizabeth was childless. She was not able to conceive. And church, look at this, and was very old. She was very old. Let me see if I can get this to work. She was very old. She was probably beyond childbearing years. She was beyond the time. And so so they've given up hope. They've been praying. They've been righteous. They've been saying, God, God, please give us a child. Asking and asking, going again and again, and, and it never happened. And so they got settled in, very settled in, in the practice fact that Elizabeth didn't have a child. And so I'm going to summarize the next couple of verses with a little dialogue between Angel and Zechariah. Zechariah goes into the temple. He gets selected to go into the temple, into the area where, where you're not allowed to go except for by selection. And so he's a priest. He can go in. And then all of a sudden he gets there and the angel Gabriel says, hey, you're going to have a boy. And Zach says, really? Uh, yeah. Zach says, you're teasing me, aren't you? Angel says, no, no, I'm not teasing. In fact, to show you that I'm not teasing, you're not going to be able to speak until the child is born. And Zach says, that's his language for the next nine and a half months. Now, one of the funniest verses in the Bible will be coming up soon as a result of his not being able to speak. Notice God did not make him deaf, okay? 
God only, he did not make him blind, he only made him unable to speak. Okay, and then we go like this. We go six months later. Six, after the angel talks to Zachariah, Zachariah comes home. He doesn't tell Elizabeth what's happened because he can't. Well, they get pregnant and all of a sudden time passes by. We pick it up in verse 26. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth. In the town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled, as we all would be. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this would be. But the angel said, Not be afraid. He brings peace. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. His, he will be great, with, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and ever, and his kingdom will not have an end and Mary is a very smart young gal. Although she is young, she is very intelligent. Because note that she, watching the next verse, she does something that's pretty fascinating. She doesn't make the assumption that it's going to be with Joseph. She doesn't say, okay, this is a great promise. We're going to get married. And after we get married, our first child will be this child that is talked about. Mary doesn't make that assumption based upon her question. How will this be since I am a virgin? Mary assumes, rightly so, that it was going to happen right there. Mary did not say, well, that's going to happen later on. Mary said, how is it going to happen today? How is that going to happen now? Mary took the angel at his word, face value, at that moment. You will be pregnant, and it will happen. So the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One born to you will be called Son of the Most High. And even Elizabeth, even your aunt will have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fell. And Mary, understanding and yet being bewildered, says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left. And so here now we have, we have two scenarios, none of which have praised God yet. Just, you're right, you're right, that's going to happen. Zachariah, I don't know. Mary, how is it going to happen since I'm a virgin? She understood it's going to happen there. Now, this is what I, want, I want us to read this together, because once Jesus enters the scene, people begin. We've got the facts of the scenario built. We've got, we've got the background filled, and now all of a sudden Jesus is going to come into the scene, and when Jesus comes into the scene, people praise the Lord. So let's read this together. Once Jesus enters the scene, people begin to praise. The same is true with us, right? Once Jesus enters the scene of our heart, once Jesus truly enters our life, we begin to praise, and we're going to have a lot in common with the characters of this story. Aunt Elizabeth praises God. Baby John praises God. At that time, Mary got ready, and she hurried down to the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home, and she greeted Elizabeth. She said, Aunt Elizabeth! And Elizabeth heard Mary calling for her, and what happens? And the baby, little baby John, goes, woo-hoo-hoo! 
He jumps and he leaps for joy. And Elizabeth was filled with the spirit in a loud voice. She exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you bear. Elizabeth being the first human to outside of Mary and Mary knows physically something changed being the first person to confirm that in which the angel had said. But, but Elizabeth continues, But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of the baby leapt in my womb for joy, blessed is she who believed, and the Lord would fulfill her promise to her. And so, so we see the first person praising is that of Elizabeth and baby John. Next person to praise, Mary then starts to praise. Mary then gives some great praises. Mary says this, And my my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And so Mary breaks out in song, filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary praises God, even though in Mary's life, great turmoil has been happening. Zechariah and Elizabeth, this is the wife of a priest, religious family, righteous family, maybe Mary's sister, maybe Mary's mom's sister. I don't know how they were related relationally, but let's pretend they have some conversations. How are you going to tell your mom that you're pregnant? You know you're not married. Ma, Aunt Elizabeth, I am struggling. I am stuck because God has asked me to do something, and I don't know how to tell anybody. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a struggle. How am I going to do this? See, just because God enters your life doesn't mean he takes out the struggles of life. Just because God says something to you doesn't mean it's all going to be a bed of roses, doesn't going to be sunrises and sunsets. It just means that God is going to continually, even though your situations will be difficult at times. For three months, I think that Mary is probably there to the birth of John. For three months, Mary lives with Elizabeth. Three months of thinking through how am I going to tell mom, I'm going to go back, I'm going to be a little, have a little baby bounce, baby bubble, what do, what do they call it, baby bounce, baby bump, yeah, baby bubble, boop, 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 boop. what's she going to do, is mom going to be excited, is dad going to be excited, probably not, but Mary still praises the Lord, after Mary praises the Lord, Zachariah comes back onto the scene, the baby, John, and after he is born, eight days later, they take John to the temple to be dedicated. And they do this, and this is probably one of the funniest verses in the Bible. <clears throat> John was, he was not deaf. He was not blind. He just couldn't speak, right? And they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. Why are they signing John? Have you ever thought about that? He's not deaf. He, he can totally see. He can totally hear. And they're going... Name the child. Get the, what are you going to name the child? Well, they, they can ask him, but he doesn't respond. Do you guys see the humor in that? Okay, I just see a couple of heads. The rest of you guys are going, I don't get it. Okay. okay. John is not deaf. They could go up to John. John, what do you want to name the child? Okay. John. John could write out John, but he couldn't do that. And so he said, so he had to get a writing tablet. He had to get a writing tablet, and he had to say, okay, his name is going to be John. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was set free. And yet after he pays for his punishment of the lack of faith, what is the first thing that John, I mean, that Zechariah does? He praises God. He praises God. He said, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, and you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, 
to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. As I read that, I'm going to read it again. Imagine this man holding this baby. He's been dreaming of this baby, unable to conceive. And then they were just waiting and waiting for the moment. And finally, Elizabeth's body said, you know what? You're not going to have any more children. And Elizabeth was old and the hope faded. Now imagine this older man holding this baby that he's dreamed about, that he prayed about, that he probably fasted over, him holding this child. And you can see tears coming down his face, his lips quivering a little bit. And you, my child, you'll be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way to him, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins, mercy of our God, by which the rising of the sun comes to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and then the shadow of death to guide our feet to the path of peace. Incredible. This old man who had given up hope now has hope. He, he has a dream realized. And the first thing he does when he can is he praises God. Well, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary. Next we have the angels. The angels praise God. Of course the angels are supposed to praise God, right? That, that's their job. And so, so we hear how we have the angels, and we looked at this a little bit last week. But the angels said to the shepherds, they're out there proclaiming, they're not proclaiming to the princesses, and they're proclaiming to the, to the priests in the temple, they're proclaiming to the outcasts, the shepherds, those, those who, who the rest of society kind of shuns. They're proclaiming to those people who are looked down upon by the outside world. The angels up on that hill come to them and they tell them not to be afraid because the angels have good news for joy. And the angels, the host appeared. Remember last week, the host appeared. All of a sudden the skies, the dimensions opened up that we can't see. And they looked up and the skies filled with myriad upon myriads of angels who one day sing, Holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty and is to come now are singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those with whom his favor rests. The angels are proclaiming praise to God. The shepherds praise God as well. And so the shepherds get the news and they run. They go see, they go see what has happened. And so the passage says, and the angels had left. The shepherds had gone into the heavens. They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us. And so they, they know that the Lord told them. And so they make arrangements for the sheep to be there and them to be over there. And, and they go. And what do they do when they see the baby? They worship the baby. But the next page said, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God these things which have been told about them. And so when the shepherds came and they, they saw that the angels were right, they praised the Lord. Catch the theme going on, church? Catch the theme of, of all the characters when they encountered Jesus, when they saw Jesus, when they met Jesus, they praised the Lord. Elizabeth, Zechariah, Mary, the angels, the shepherds. And it continues. There's a devout man. The baby is born. Mary and Joseph need to take him to the temple to dedicate him. They're a very poor couple. They, they, they take a couple of doves and they, they really don't have anything to give. They give this so that they can get, dedicate him to God. And, and there's an old man who's sitting there. old man named Simeon. He was told by God that he wouldn't pass away until 
he saw the Messiah, until he saw the Savior. He comes in and, and he knows that's the Savior. The Holy Spirit tells him it's him. And when the parents brought the child to Jesus to do what the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised the Lord. Simeon, a devout, religious, righteous man, sees the Messiah and holds the Messiah in his arms. How cool is that? Well, there's another, there's another older lady there who also hears about this and, and, and a widow for 50 years. She was married for seven and she's been a widow for a long time. Every day she'd come and she'd fast and she'd pray in the temple on Anna. What she does is she praises God. See, she never left the temple, but she worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming into them at the very moment she gave thanks to God. She spoke about the child to all who were looking forward for the redemption of Israel. See, it doesn't matter whether you're a young person, and there are some young people here, when you encounter Jesus, our response needs to be to praise the Lord. It doesn't matter if you're an older person and there are some older people here, your response is to praise the Lord. It doesn't matter whether you're, you're an outcast, messed up your life, or whether you've screwed up your life when you encounter Jesus, you need to praise the Lord. Or whether you've lived a righteous and holy life and, and whether you've lived according to the rules and, and, the, and the obedience to Jesus and His law, for all of your life you're raised in a church. When you encounter Jesus, you praise the Lord. When you hear the sounds of the songs of the season at the 7-Eleven, what do you do? You praise the Lord. When you're walking through the mall and you hear the sounds and you, and you, see, you see the crash, what do you do? You praise the Lord. What is our response this season, church, to praise the Lord, to focus in on those things that bring glory and honor to the Lord? There's another person, group of people. Tradition calls them three wise men, but we know they're probably more than three. It's just our tradition. We know that they didn't visit the manger. We know lots of things that tradition downplays. It tries to compress the story into one fell swoop, but... But here the Magi from the east, they praise the Lord. And it says in Matthew chapter 2, it says they continued, these are the wise men, they continued on their way following the star until it stopped over the place the child was. Stopped over there. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming into the house, not the manger, on coming into the house, they saw the child with his mother and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Their treasures and they presented him with their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. See, when we come to Jesus and, and we, we come to Jesus, we're prepared to give as well. We give up our voice. We, we share the good news, what God has done for us. But sometimes we also share with our talents and our treasures those things that God has given with us. We come to Jesus searching for him. When we find him, we give him everything. We give him our life. We give him our heart. We give him our resources. We give him everything, church. Because we praise the Lord continually. So I want to challenge you to make a new sound this Christmas. I want to challenge you to make the sound of praise. And so this, we're going to practice this. By the time we get to number four, we're going to do it nice and loud, right? Okay, let's read these together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. One more time. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's, 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 that's our heart. Our heart needs to beat that at all times. Doing everything. And at the end of the sermon, I'm going to have us repeat that because that's what this season's about. 
It's not about your ATM. It's not about the gift wrapping. It's not about the family feuds. It's about the Lord. And when you encounter Jesus, when you encounter Him, when you truly find Him, you can't help but praise the Lord. And I, you know, some of us have gotten distracted. Some of us are, are, are we're stressed because we got a little over a week and, and the tree is up, but the, there's no presence under it. Or, or maybe the tree is up and there are presents, but there's somebody missing. Or maybe you're lonely and you're sad because you're not going to be where you think you should be. Maybe you're out of town. Maybe you're discouraged because your hopes and your dreams of Christmas or you know they're not going to happen, but you're sad about that. Get your eyes off of yourself. And if you happen to spend Christmas alone, you spend Christmas alone, spend it with Jesus, engaging with him, realizing that the hope we have. So let's see what praise is. What is praise? Praise is a declaration. It's a response to who he is. You are declaring, you are saying that Jesus is Lord. I'm going to give him praise. It is descriptive. You're describing why you are giving praise. What is it about that situation, that moment, that time that you are thus praising? Is it for the forgiveness of sins? Because you blow it. The other day, I made some horrible, I was at a gas station and somebody pulled in front of me wrong. And they took my spot. And all of a sudden, I started to look at them, and I started to judge them. Well, those people, oh, who are these horrible people? Why were they cut? And then I realized that, well, the pump in front of them was broken. They weren't horrible after all. They were just finding the first available gas thing. And, and I realized how much I have yet to grow. Thinking ill of somebody for simply pulling into a gas station. I've got a long way to grow, but I need to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord instead of turning that into a moment of discouragement. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I get this opportunity to pray for somebody. I get this opportunity to wait a little bit longer. Praise the Lord. I, I, I could not have a car. I could be walking back and forth to Riverside. That'd be a long walk. I'd be staying at a lot of your houses. <laughs> yeah, now you're like, but my staying at your house. Ha ha ha. Okay. Um, praise is also a natural response for a believer. It is, it is a very natural response for a believer. It is, it, is, it is just part of our DNA. We praise the Lord. It, it, it is who we are. Praise is extravagant. The Magi, what did they do? They gave gold and frankincense and myrrh. It was an extravagant gift for the baby. An extravagant gift for the baby. Praise is unavoidable. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you cannot help but to give praise. Some of you have had life interrupted like Mary and Joseph had. Some of you, your life where, where it shouldn't have been, and then, then all of a sudden it's, it's swirling downhill, and you don't know what to do. You know what God says? Praise Him in the midst of it. Praise is unavoidable. You get hurt, something discouraging happens, some, something and depressing happens. You praise the Lord. Get your eyes off of yourself and put them back on the Lord. It is extravagant. It is unavoidable. Praise is an expression of faith in God. That's why it's unavoidable. If you have faith in God, if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord, if you have accepted him as your Lord, you have bowed your knee and you said, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Lord Jesus, forgive sorry, Lord, for, for the things that I have done, the offenses that I have, that I have 
erred against you, enter into my life. You are my Lord and I will walk with you. You cannot help but praise the Lord. You cannot help. It is part of our DNA. It is who we are. One person says, praise draws others into the circle of those who worship. You know what? You know what I liked about doing that praise the Lord thing a couple of minutes ago? Everybody participated, right? Everybody's doing it. Everybody just chipped in, and all of a sudden it got really loud. You know what happened? Did you see the unity? Did you see the group come together? Did you see the church come together? Everybody praised. Everybody was praise the Lord. There was that's what happens when you praise this thing. That happens is is you get to declare, you get to invite people into the circle of what God is doing in your life when you praise the Lord. Another person said the purpose of praise. To respond to the experience of God. To respond to the experience of God's grace and power. To exalt the one who is seen and known to be gracious and powerful. To bear witness to all who hear that God is good. How is the world going to know that God is good unless God's people tell the world that God is good? You're not going to hear it on the evening news that God is good. You won't. Listen for it. You won't. And if Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ has forgiven their sins. How are they going to know unless God's people invite others into the story and they proclaim and they share the gracious power of God? I was once lost, but now I'm found. Uh, you should have seen what happened over here, and this is great. And you should have seen the Lord respond, and this is great. And you invite them into the circle, and you bear witness to what God is doing in your life. To them, you just give praise. Isn't that great, church? The Christmas story is about praising God. See, when you encounter Jesus, you praise the Lord. When God interrupts your life, you praise the Lord. When God demands life, you praise the Lord. You praise the Lord. Let me give you one great Bible verse, and and this is found in Philippians, because this is a great Christmas verse. I know some of you probably missed that because I went through the highlights pretty easily. And you just talk to me later, and I can show you a great way to find them. Um, but here's a great Christmas verse. It doesn't come out of the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of Luke. It comes out of the Apostle Paul was writing to a church, a church that he loved in Philippi. Philippi was a Gentile community filled with believers. And, and so he was writing a church to encourage them to rejoice. And listen to what the Apostle Paul says. And think of this verse in light of Christmas. He says, rejoice always. Rejoice. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. How many of us at Christmas this week need that? For you who are taking finals, you probably need that more than others. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Prayer is God. Petition is where you ask other people to sign on board. Will you pray with me on that? Will you join with me on that by prayer and petition? Present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. So this next week. Between now and the 23rd, stress is going to happen. Obligations and opportunities to get together with family members, some of whom you like, and if you're honest, some whom you don't. Some you don't want to go to, but you need to go to because that's the rules of the game, right? Yeah, I'm seeing some smiles and some smirks. 
you know, you're going to go. And I want you to praise the Lord for that opportunity to be a witness, a testimony of God's love and God's grace in your life. To invite the people into the circle of that relationship. So I want to close the sermon with this slide. And after we declare God's praise by inviting everybody into the circle, I'm going to pray for us. Okay? Let's start. Praise the Lord. 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 Lord. All right, Lord Jesus, we as a church give you praise. Praise for this opportunity to proclaim your name, to worship you, to extol you. Lord, to, to be your people. So I pray for the people here. Your fellow children. This next week, they've got a lot going on. They've got family obligations. They've got friends. They've got parties. They've got invites. They, there's emptiness, Lord, in some of their lives. There's sadness in some of their lives. There's discouragement, Lord, in some of their lives. And I pray for them, Lord, that you would be the center of their life, the the joy of their hope, the focus of their vision. Lord, cause them, cause them to walk in a manner worthy of you. So whether they sit at home lonely on Christmas Day, pondering and remembering Christmas's past, or they sit with friends and families, hoping for Christmases in the future, Lord, I pray, for us, that we would invite other people into the circle of praise in your prayer.